Welcome to the Proto Hack Podcast, where we explore the world of non technical entrepreneurship. Each week, Proto Hack co founders Blake McCammon and Cole Fox interview different non technical founders on the ins and outs of being a non technical founder in the technical world. Tune in to hear advice from non technical founders who've made it, profiles of entrepreneurs who have launched businesses and successfully raised capital, and stories of those who have made the most of non technical skills to achieve success. So I'm here with Michael. Michael, welcome to the podcast of Non-Technical Founders with ProtoHack. Thank you very much for joining us, um, coming from Menlo Park. Um, so I'd love to jump right in. Uh, so you work with Engager right now. You're a founder, the CEO, and I'd love to just uh, open it up to you. I'd love to hear your story. Give us a quick, quick career background. What led you to start up Engager, which you're currently working on right now? Sure. Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. So when I was in college at Santa Clara University, I, I wanted to produce a television show. And I couldn't because uh, the school didn't have a TV channel or a network. So, um, so that was really the impetus for, for everything, I would say, having, having to do with my, my current career because uh, I set out to, to start a TV show and a TV channel, and that's the first time in my life that I really started to learn about video. I, I started to learn about video production, creating video content, syndicating video content, and at the time, video on the internet was just in its infancy. You know, we had maybe two big websites at the time, Ebombs World and CollegeHumor.com. And those, those were really the only two websites that were really doing um, a lot of video on the internet. So as I started to do this television uh, channel at Santa Clara, I started to learn more and more ways of, of how to syndicate that content, not just through the college TV channel, but also through the internet. Um, and that became my passion. You know, video on the internet, um, I, I just, I thought it was an amazing communication vehicle. I, I thought it was the future. Um, and so my first company that I ever started uh, was a company that would try to aggregate college video content onto a single website so that all the college campuses could see it. Uh, so this was sort of a, a, a predecessor, if you will, to, to YouTube. Um, and of course, uh, YouTube did phenomenally well and got tons of funding and grew like crazy. And, and so it uh, didn't leave much room for, for our little site. Uh, but at least it was, you know, it was my first stab at entrepreneurship. It was, it was the first time in my life that I, I tried to form a company and get funding and, and, and start off on, on my own path. Um, that morphed into a video production company where I started to learn more about how to actually produce good video content. Um, and then through that, um, I started to play around with, with the form of video. You know, video right now, mostly for most people, is linear. Uh, meaning it goes from start to finish in one continuous motion and, and that's it. There's, there's, there's nothing else you can do. Your, your experiences, you watch, you, you sit back, you're passive. So I started to play around with, well, what if we could make the video more engaging? You know, what if we could ask questions in the video? What if we could make it interactive? More like a website, you know, less like a video and more like a website. So we started playing around with that idea 
breaking video off of the linear timeline, making it more engaging, making it more interactive, um, letting the, the viewer of the video content be an active participant in the conversation. Um, and that was, that was the birth of Engager. Um, and so very quickly we had to pivot from being a video production company to being a software company. Um, because the, the vision of the company was to create a platform where other people could create these interactive video presentations and we would be the software platform to empower those people. Um, and that's what we did. Um, Engager the brand launched April 2012. Um, and since then, we've, we've been growing. We've been getting amazing customers like Fujitsu. Um, we've done projects with SAP. Will Farrell, Richard Branson. Um, we have we have customers now like CoreLogic and LiftMasters with the Chamberlain Group. Um, so it's 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 a product that that the market is responding well to, and um, that's how I got here today. That's great. Thank you for uh, for explaining that. So in short, it sounds like you were passionate about a certain subject matter or industry vertical, it, which happened to be video and. You by scaling and and dabbling with different ideas, you've you've gone from production to a more scalable version of that, which is a technology product, and you've you've found a great product market fit. It sounds like, and so that segues nicely to um, where you're at with starting the company and growing the company. So there are certain challenges you face and you do every day as a non technical founder, but also when you turned this. Um, kind of passion you had into a software company, you obviously had to find engineers. Um, you had to have somebody develop that software. So um, I'd love if you could talk a little bit more about what you do um, daily as a non-technical founder um, and also what were the challenges of when you um, decided this should be a software company and and you needed a program. Talk a little bit about again what you do uh, daily, and then and then the challenges uh, as regards to software building software. Sure. So at at every stage of of the evolution um, to to where I am today, at every stage I I learned something new. Um, and I would say that in the early days, in the college days, you know maybe I had a lot of the skill sets needed to to run, um, that, that particular company. Um, once, once we got into this pivot between the video production company and Engager, um, it became very clear that I was no longer, um, I, I was no longer really able to, to be the the expert in certain things, um, quite quite the contrary. Um, I needed to learn how to partner. I needed to learn how to hire great talent that that knew how to do things that I didn't know how to do. Um, you know, it's it's like wanting to get in the restaurant business, but but not knowing how to cook, um, or or you know maybe for that matter, not knowing how to run a restaurant. So um, so early on, I had to find people who did. When we were starting Engager, um, I, I met with a, a company whose business model it is um, was to add technical sort of technical co-founding expertise to non-technical um, founders. 
Um, this was a company out of Finland, actually. So, so I, I met them. Uh, their, their name is Vendep. And we entered into a relationship whereby they would handle much of the product creation, uh, the engineering. They would help with things like uh, hiring a new engineering talent. And they would do this in partnership with us. So they would do this uh, mostly for, for equity. So we, we worked with them in the early days to get sort of a minimal viable product out there. And then once we had that, we went out there and, and we sold it. Um, so we, we tried to make sales a very early decision, sort of strategic decision for us because we needed that sales revenue to keep hiring on engineers and, and hiring on talent that could, that could help us build the product. So we were very early in our revenue kind of, kind of, you know, I don't want to say day one, but, but very early. And, um, and we kept reinvesting that money back into the company, hiring uh, engineers to work with. Um, we also, on top of that, we we raised some money uh, so that we could again hire more engineering talent and and hire more people to to help us build the company. Um, but I would I would say that that learning how to partner and learning how to work with um people who were technical you know that was that was really the key that was really what was uh, the most important thing to help to help me as an entrepreneur transition from you know maybe a business that i that i knew somewhat well um to a type of business that i really had no experience in which was which is running a software company um and and so so I guess my major takeaway is is sort of the art of the partnership and and choosing good partners, and uh, working with people who can complement your skill set. Awesome, yeah. So um, a question down the line, I'll ask. We'll dig in a little deeper of of some of the knowledge you learned, where you found that knowledge about working with technical folks, and then some of the tactics you used to hire them in terms of partnering um, with them, building those relationships. Perfect. Um, so next question, uh, give me a couple quick lessons that come to mind that, that if you could, if you could turn back the clock and, and, you know, you just think about these lessons. Some, sometimes you're like, ah, gosh, you know, what if I could, if I could just go back in time, I would totally change these things. I would have done this different and it could have totally helped me get that much farther faster. Give me one or two top, uh, top lessons you could kind of warn or give other non-technical founders just starting out out there that would relate to what you did. My biggest overarching lesson that I, I really hope um, folks out there hear, and it's, it's really it's a lesson that doesn't apply just to non-technical folks. I think it's a lesson that applies to every entrepreneur. Um, which is to really be humble and to understand that you can't do everything yourself, no matter how amazing um, you know you think your skill set is. There are really great people out there, and the the truth of the matter is, you're far better off partnering with those people and becoming equity partners with those people. And having a smaller piece of the pie, you're much better off and will move much faster if if you sort of humble yourself a little bit and take on the mentality that that through partnering and and through building your team, 
you as a whole are going to be much stronger and you're going to have much more resources and much more skill sets to compete with some of these larger companies that that have amazing talent and can and can hire amazing talent and pay for it. So, you know, my 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 biggest piece of advice would would be to to be humble um, when you're starting out um, to to be okay with taking a smaller piece of the pie in order to work with more folks that are either have different skill sets than you or are better than you in in certain things and and to really acknowledge that to be okay with telling yourself you know what this person really is better than me at at these particular skill sets or these things um and and I would much rather um have them on my team and work with them than than try to be all things to all people and and wear too many hats. Um, so I think that would be my 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 biggest thing that I, that that if if I had a time machine to go back in time, that you know I I would have been even better um, and 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 partnered even more and and um, you know day one um, tried to find other talented folks to to enter into the team and be a big player on the team and, you know, take that, uh, you know, give out that, that, that co-founder title, um, and, and, and don't be stingy with it and, and give out equity and don't be stingy with it. Um, I, I think that it's way more important to be successful, um, than it is to, um, own a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the pie. Right. Um, I would, I would much rather have a smaller piece of, of, of Google than, than a much larger piece of, of a company that fails. And I think, I think that all entrepreneurs who are starting out could benefit from, from understanding that principle. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I've been listening to this excellent podcast lately called how to start a startup. It's put on by Y Combinator and Sam Altman. And, they they bring in these amazingly successful company founders to talk about you know how they've done it what they've done and and a lot of it comes back to being a mission driven founder it's all about getting from point A to point Z rather than all that little stuff like making money even um a lot of things get lost along the way uh, like the mission when you're thinking about things that are more you know to human nature and emotion and so if you're somebody who is I want to get this done and we have a mission to to do and we're going to do whatever it takes those are the successful companies and and it ends up paying huge dividends so so it's a great point i think that's an excellent lesson and takeaway um and and thank you for sharing that so um so actually on the other side of humility let's talk a little bit about uh your success and and how kind of the the day to day things that make you tick um again brian our our mutual friend brian he said hey this guy he hustles they're making pretty good revenue like the company has a great track record so far i'd love it if you could talk um feel free to brag a little bit, you know, talk a little bit about if it is public, like a little bit about your sales or deals or investments, things that you see as milestones. And then I'd like you to jump into, um, how do you get up every morning? You know, do you, what time do you get up? Do you, you know, what is your lifestyle like? What leads you to keep pushing along even when the times are good and, and when the times are bad? So, 
Sure. So uh, the the first thing the first thing that I will say is that I I don't think there has been a single month in the last nine years um, that that have been the same. <laughs> um, you know, and I and I uh, I say nine years because you know my first ever entrepreneurial endeavor um, was was really back in in two thousand and six. And that's when I first tried on this, okay, well, I'm going to put on my CEO hat and I'm going to, I'm going to try to found something. I'm going to try to be the, um, the, the person that makes it happen. And I, I would say that every single month thereafter has been slightly different. Um, the, the, the sort of the desire that I've always had, you know, I've, I've always wanted to create something that a lot of people use and a lot of people benefit from. Um, you know, I sort of, I see it in terms of value. You know, you look at, you look at a site like Google, you know, google.com costs nothing for millions, if not billions of people, it costs nothing to them, but the value that they keep getting every time they do a new search and they're looking for some type of information, it's incredible. I, I even know somebody in the Northeast, he, he put Google in his will because he wanted to somehow account for all the value that, that, that he derived from, from their company at, for free. And so for him, it was like, it was, it was a sort of a, a moral imperative to, to will them some, some money because of all the value they, they created in his life and all the value that he got for free. And that's how I see it. I, I see it that sort of every human being on this planet um, could could have the sort of the mission statement called, I want to create as much value for other people as possible. And then it's just a matter of sort of how how skillful you are in in achieving that. You know, how how much value really can you create um, for for what what audience or what size of people. And I think I think no matter what scale you do it on, whether it's a very small scale like a small local business or a grand scale like like Google, I think it's all good. Um, and so first and foremost, I would start off there. I would say that you could, if you wanted to, um, you could make sort of the defining characteristic of your life be how much value can I create for other people. So with, with that at the heart of it, now it just becomes a matter of, you know, efficacy, you know, how, how, um, uh, how skillful are you and, and, and how well have you created something that, that, that brings value to others? Um, so for me, it was certainly trial and error. Um, at every stage, I thought I was doing something that was, that was cool and that other people would like and benefit from, but I learned, um, I learned at every, at every stage, you know, when I was doing the video production business, um, I learned that, there wasn't anything that I could really do to scale it. Um, it was a service-based business and no matter how hard I worked, you know, even if I, I went from 60 hours a week to 80 hours a week to 90 hours a week, there wasn't a huge increase in the number of customers I could support, um, projects that I could handle. And, and it wasn't the type of business where we could afford to just hire a bunch more people. There was scaling issues and I, and I sort of learned firsthand um, how hard it is to scale a service-based business. So 
I had to learn, well, what are those things that scale? Um, you know, what are, what are the things that you can kind of create once and then all of a sudden it can benefit a million people or a billion people. Um, and the two things that, that jump right to mind, number one is a product, you know, you build sort of a, a, a piece of hardware or a physical thing, you can build it once and then figure out, you know, manufacturing, you can figure out how to scale it. And then of course there's software. And with me, software was the most interesting because software, you don't have any environmental issues. You're not, you're not taking from the earth, you know, you don't have to set up production facilities or anything like that. There's, 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 you know, very little, um, there's very little waste that goes into building a software product and then providing that product to, um, to a billion people or more. So that's, that's the thing that, that pulled me towards software is I, 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 I liked everything about it. it was environmentally friendly. You could scale it very quickly to a lot of people. And if you did a good job with it, um, you, you really did have the ability within, you know, five years or, you know, within some small amount of time, um, uh, to, to reach a billion people or more. So, so that's, that's what kind of carried me towards, towards what I'm, I'm doing today. Um, the, the path there is certainly a roller coaster. Um, some months you're, you're on top of the world and you, you think that you've done it and that, um, you know, you're the next billion dollar company and some months you question why you're doing all this and what, what were you thinking? And, um, it's scary and it's, um, I totally understand when I get calls from other entrepreneurs and they say, you know, I'm, I am thinking of giving up. Maybe I should just, you know, move back home or, or I get it. I I've been there. Um, it's something that I think every entrepreneur goes through. Um, I would, I would just say that if you can take on a mentality that, that it's never as bad as it seems, and that, you know, you can really kind of convince yourself that it will get better. Um, nine out of 10 times, or at least in, in my case, uh, 10 out of 10 times, that was the truth. Um, it, any time where, where I was sort of looking, looking into the abyss, um, and I just said, no, I, you know, I think I can handle this. I think it'll get better. Um, it did. And the, the dark months magically, um, magically turned, turned into, you know, another, four months or, or two quarters of just success and growth. So, so for any entrepreneur out there who, you know, who's in the, the, the sort of, you know, they're doing great gangbusters, I would just caution and I would just say, you know, don't, uh, don't, don't get too excited. Um, you know, keep your head down, keep working because, you know, tricky months are definitely up ahead. And for anybody who's kind of in a, in a difficult time right now and struggling and, and questioning whether or not to quit, I would just say it's, it's not as bad as you think it is. And just, just continue to persevere because, uh, you know, at least for me, um, it, 10 out of 10 times it, it did get better. So, so I think perseverance is, is very important and, um, and, not buying into the the drama too much is is also very important. 
Great. Well, thanks for giving us some insight into your your mantras, rituals, and, and kind of your your base layer of philosophy as far as entrepreneurship goes. I, I I'm definitely in the same school of thought as far as providing, aiming to provide value to people and being virtuous about it. I think that roots in a lot of happiness. And obviously, people that are happy are more motivated, they're more likely to wake up and, and keep doing what they're doing. And, and like you said, persevere through the hard times. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't accept, or at least first time entrepreneurs don't accept the fact that it is inevitably going to be a roller coaster. Even for something like ProtoHack that we run, there'll be days where we feel like nobody wants to sponsor a proto hack or we're getting no tickets and we feel like what the heck we just need to throw our hats in the air and go work for corporate America again. And and then other days it's like, you know, everybody wants to help and support and it's great. So definitely think that's a great takeaway um, as far as uh, really staying motivated and as well as, um, you know, continuing to persevere with your idea. So, um, well, last question here, Michael, um, as far as, so this is the non-technical founder podcast. So we, we definitely want to uh, take away some knowledge, um, as well about just tactics on finding your, that magic CTO, um, finding technical talent. Um, I'd also like, before you really get into that, I'd also like you to talk a little bit about, um, how far you got before you needed to hire your engineer. You know, did you prototype? Did you, did you kind of do some sales? Like what was kind of that, that edge of the cliff where you're like, okay, I've done all I can without coding. Now I absolutely have to hire somebody. So lead us to that point and then talk about how you did hire some people. Sure. So, um, so I don't know if this translates for everybody. Um, I think we were in somewhat of a, um, we had our, you know, big toe in the water of, of development because when we were doing the video production business, we started, um, a division of the company that did website development and technical stuff. So it was a service that we offered. And of course, I, as the CEO of the company, I had to work with website developers, programmers, um, because our clients like Stanford University and, and, um, and, you know, Fujitsu, these guys needed websites or they needed some web work done. And that was one of the services that, that we offered. So, so I started working off in a, um, you know, sort of a contract basis, you know, we'd get a contract, it would, it would call for some type of development work. And with that money, I could, I could go out there and I could hire people to work on that contract. Um, so, so I started to at least learn to work with and appreciate and network with some technical folks. And I think that that's really important. I think any way that you can at least dip your big toe in the water, you know, start working with either on a contract basis or, or something, um, you know, find a technical person and add them to your board of advisors. You know, we did that as well. So we had, we had technical people that were contractors. We had technical people that were on our board of advisors. And I would ask, would you, you know, will you come and, and, and sit on our board? And they'd say, yes. So, so that relationship, I was always able to leverage and parlay that relationship to other technical people. Um, and, and to eventually to the point where, um, where I found folks that were so good and had, were so impressive and had such a good resume that I could 
I could step away from the contractor conversation and start entering into the co-founder relationship, um, the partner relationship. Um, you know, somebody, somebody that was, that was so good and, and also liked what we were doing to where I could sit them down and say, well, let's, let's talk about this. You know, I'm non-technical, you're technical. This is the mission. This is what we're up to. How about we join forces? And, and not, Every one of those conversations worked. Not not everyone went well, but but it really doesn't matter because if you have five of those conversations and one of them goes well, well then there you go, and and you you now have another valuable teammate, and you now have another valuable partner, and you only need to have so many of those folks to where you can start developing enough traction to justify sales and justify funding. And then with those sales and funding, you can then use that extra cash to, to hire folks. So, you know, before you have that money, um, you know, I would just, I would just say, put yourself out there, have those conversations with, with those technical people that you respect. Um, and, and not every single one will turn into a yes, but if you have one or two that do, you're in really good shape. Um, and, and that's, that's how we did it. Great. Um, definitely good advice. So, um, Michael, thank you again for your time. I know it's very valuable. I'd like to end on one other thing. Um, go ahead and just tell us about Engager. Give us a shameless plug. Tell us what you do exactly over there. Um, and, and, uh, give us a little bit of track records, you know, like if you were just giving an elevator pitch to an investor. Sure. So Engager is an online platform um, that allows any company to increase their revenue and sales by utilizing interactive video, uh, which tie to qualifying analytics to help salespeople understand uh, which prospects to follow up with and to prioritize. The way that the platform works, a company will go on to it. They'll upload videos about their product or their service and our tool allows them to connect those videos in a really cool way. It's kind of like a choose your own pathway of interest um, presentation. That presentation is then sent out via email or social media to prospective customers and that's all done through the Engager dashboard. And when those prospective customers look at that interactive video presentation, we then send back analytics to the sales team to let them know who looked at it, what they looked at, how many videos they watched, uh, how engaged they were. And with those analytics, the salespeople can prioritize their sales follow-up. So at the end of the day, it makes salespeople more efficient and it, uh, it leads to an increase in revenue throughout the entire organization. We have worked with large uh, companies, you know, uh, CoreLogic is a $2 billion market cap business. They're a big customer of ours. Um, LiftMasters, eight out of every 10 garage door openers in the U.S. is a, is a LiftMasters uh, garage door opener. They're a big customer of ours. We've also had had the opportunity to work with some really interesting personalities. Um, there was a nonprofit 
organization that used Engager to raise money for their nonprofit, and they had Will Ferrell as the spokesperson. So he was kind of the face of of the Engager, um, and and that was a very uh, successful campaign. We recently did a campaign with the Virgin Group and Richard Branson to promote a an event that happens on Necker Island called the Necker Cup. And um, that was just uh, released last month. And, um, and what, what our technology allows for is it allows people to take a really, really deep dive um, into, into what might be otherwise very, very boring, very linear video content. Um, and so, so track record to date, um, every quarter we've grown, uh, we've grown every quarter consecutively. Um, uh, our entire 2014 was consecutive quarter over quarter sales growth. Um, we've raised two rounds of funding at this point and, um, we're, we're, we're investing, uh, we're investing right now into our, our customer acquisition. So we, we're on track for 2015 to be a record year, um, and uh, and and with any luck, uh, we will we will continue uh, we'll continue on this growth path, and um, and uh, we've got some good momentum right now. So I'd I'd say that right now this is this is one of the one of the good quarters, one of the good months. So so hopefully we can we can keep that momentum going for as long as possible. Awesome. Well, sounds like you're doing nothing short of kicking some amazing ass. Oops, I'll have to edit that part out. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe um, not. And uh, yeah, again, thank you for your time, Michael. Um, great, great stuff for sure. Um, and uh, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? So I'm easily reached, uh, Michael at engager.com, um, E-N-G-A-J-E-R.com. And um, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty pretty accessible. Um, if, if you want to send me an email, um, it's, I, I, I try to respond to, uh, to everything I get. Um, if not, somebody at the company will, will try to respond if I can't get to it. Um, and then also on, uh, on our website, we have all of our company information. We're in Menlo Park. Come visit us if you want. Um, and, uh, and of course we have, we have our phone numbers listed there if you want to give us a call and ask us any questions. Great. Well, Michael, this has been awesome. Uh, Another non-technical founder doing awesome things and making things happen. So uh, thank you for being on the podcast. And uh, we'll we'll shoot you the link when uh, when everything's all nice and and pretty on the audio file. I'm sure you're no stranger to uh, editing. So (laughs) (laughs) no stranger at all. But (laughs) either way, cool. Well, thank you so much. 